Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Father, we are so grateful and we are thankful to you for the greatness of who you are in us personally, in us gathered together corporately, in our nation, internationally. You are God and there is no other like you. So Father, we receive the word of God today as a holy, living, breathing thing. We open our hearts and we open our lives to you to hear from heaven. We bind any hindrance that would come against us from hearing your word. We bind any demonic attack against us, body, soul, and spirit. We release healing power, not only in this room, but into those that are absent from this room. We ask you, Father, that you reveal yourself as Jehovah Rapha to them right now. And we give you praise and thanksgiving, Father, that all things are working together for good for us because we love you and are called according to your purpose. So we thank you and praise you for it. Give us ears to hear, give us mouths to speak, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking for weeks and weeks. I don't even know how many weeks it was. How many weeks has it been we've been talking about this wheel and about how this is our life. It's a representation of our life. And these are just 12 of the matters of our life. And that how God operates and how God works is sometimes he'll move something to the top of our life. Of You got to deal with that. You're going to have to fix that. You're going to have to repair that. You're going to have to pay special attention to that. It may be that, um, you know, he's saying, okay, you need, to, you need to focus on your kids right now and what they're doing, what's going on in their life, how they're feeling, how they're sensing, what's happening in their life. Of course, you know, in our life, we can get all caught up in these things and not recognize that God right here is God. We put God's name on it, but then he spun around in circles and it didn't quite look right. So just know that God is the core. God is the hub at which all of these spokes in our life must be connected to him so that we don't have a bumpy ride in life. And why is it so important? If we look over into Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples then, they've asked them, they've asked him, teach us how to pray. And he said, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to understand this, that with all the spokes, all the matters of our life, God has a will for them. There is a will on the earth, but there is a will of heaven. And God says, when you pray, Ask that the will of heaven is done in every area of your life. How many of you know that the will of heaven is better than the will of earth? How many of you know that the things of heaven work better than the things of earth? You know, heaven has no sorrow in it. Heaven has no grief and sadness in it. Heaven has no regret in it. Heaven has no mistakes in it. So think about this. If you could live your life according to the will of heaven, you wouldn't have any sorrow over these things. You wouldn't have regret over these things. You wouldn't make mistakes in these things. 
But the key is the will of heaven being done in those things. Now, we understand that we need to connect to God. He's the core. That at any time, we can pull a spoke. We can pull an avenue of our life. We can pull something of our life out of God and away from God. And when we do, chaos is coming. When we can do, destruction is coming. Our nation tried to do that. Let's pull education out of God. Let's pull health care out of God. Let's pull these things out of God. And what we're doing right now in our nation is a restoration of restoring them back to God-centeredness. So our life has to be God-centered if we want it to be the best life available for us. Because when we're God-centered, we get heavenly expression in every area of our life. Now, so this is talking about this wheel having relationship with this core. In order for these things to be plugged into the wheel, into the core of the wheel, rather, we have to have a relationship. We have to be in our life God-centered. Hallelujah. We have to be God-centered because we want to bind the things of our life to the core. Let's look over in Colossians 3, verse number 14. And it says, all, but above all these things, he's talking about different things, forgiveness, not complaining, all these things. But he says, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, that word bond there is talking about glue, a binding together. So if we're going to be God-centered, if we're going to be bound together with the Lord, we're going to have to have an element in our life called loving God. Every relationship in our life falls or rises based on how we love them. It's all about love. And it says here that love is the binding force. Love works as a binding. So if God is going to be the center, it's because we love God. Loving God more than loving any of these spokes. If we will love God, it will cause the spokes to become connected to God. If we don't love God, these spokes won't be connected to God. Hallelujah. So we're just going to talk about loving God a little bit today. And um, I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you love God? Now, I'm going to say this. You don't love God because you say you love God. Just because I can say, I love God, okay, that doesn't mean I love God. There is couples in marriage that say, I love you, and there's no evidence of it. So the question comes up, do you really? Hallelujah. If you say, you love me, let's have some proof of it, right? Are you with me? Okay. 
So if our daily life was observed, would anybody else look at our life and say, you love God? Is there evidence in your daily life, not your church Sunday morning go to church life, in your daily life, is there any proof or evidence that you love God? Because if these things are attached to God and bound to him by love, all of these things should produce evidence that you love God. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this. Was there evidence in Jesus' life that he loved the Father? There was all kinds of evidence he loved the Father. If you were one of the uh, 12 and you were walking with Jesus, do you think there'd be any proof that he loved God? Well, we have that same opportunity to produce proof that we love God. It's not just about, I told you so. You probably heard the story of the, the married couple. And um, she said, honey, do you love me? He said, yes, I love you. She said, well, you never told me you loved me since the day we were married. He said, I told you I love you then, and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. There has to be an ongoing loving God. There has to be an ongoing proof and evidence in our life that we love God. We can't come to church on Sunday and show this massive, massive demonstration and how much we love God. And Monday through Saturday, everybody question if God's even in your life. We can't have that. That's no proof and evidence because whether or not God is in these things, the binding force of us attached to the core is how we love God. Hallelujah. So our love for him is revealed in our life. It's revealed in our life. And it's through this love that we are connected to the core and the elements of our life are truly connected to him. So let's go over to Mark chapter 12. I'm just about finished here and then I'm going to let Pastor Jerry take over. Mark chapter 12. In verse 29, Jesus answered him. The first of all the commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. It's the first commandment. The first commandment. We get so busy following all the commandments. Get so busy trying to figure out how we do the life. We get so busy on trying to figure out how to be led and obey. But everything in our life starts with this first command. Love God. Love God. Love God. Love God more than your work. Love God more than your health. Love God more than your future, your dreams, your children, your spouse. Love God. Because if you will love God first, he will be the binding to make everything else work. So what we have to ask ourselves, do I honestly in my life represent a person in love with God? Do you remember some of you when you found your spouse? You loved them so much. 
You had trouble focusing at work. You had trouble remembering, did I stop at the stop sign on the way to work? You had trouble remembering things and recalling things and because your life was consumed with this person. Well, our life should be so consumed with God that it makes everything else just work right because we are fully bound to God through how much we love him. You know, the church is full of people that want God to love them, but have never returned that amount of love back toward him. The church should be the people in love with God. They will know we are Christians by our love. Not just love for each other, but love for God. And it's amazing how we can go on being a Christian and not in love with God. In love with what he'll do for us. In love with the blessings. In love with the benefits. But this is a life about being in love with God. So I encourage you, ask yourself, am I in love with God? Not just because I say I am or because a believer, but is there a specialness in a relationship between myself and God that others would know? You love God. You love God. Hallelujah. Because it is the first, it is the first commandment. And if we will love God, everything else will work out. Amen. On, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's look at that, uh, back up to that verse 29. We'll take it from there and kind of um, kind of do a little bit of a word study on some of this. Some of you recall a couple of years back, I did this with the four chairs. Well, I'm going to do it again, except this time hopefully it'll uh, even speak more to you. Praise God. Amen. So he says in verse 29 again that the first of all, all the commandments uh, is hear, O Israel. Now remember he was asked, by one of the scribes, you know, what's the first command? What's the first, uh, you know, the first of all, what's the, the highest priority, so to speak, is what he was saying, what he was probably thinking. But Jesus said the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What does that mean? Well, it start, that word one there means only or every or primary. You know, remember, if you remember about uh, back when we started this whole series back in the beginning of the year, we kind of focused on that a little bit. And it's not just about being priority, it's about primary. See, if it's priority, you know, God might, you might say, okay, God's top on my list, but then the next thing is going to be maybe uh, my family or church, or the next thing on the list is going to be, you know, my, my, my work or my finance or something. So in other words, God just ends up maybe being a place on a list, but primary is not about Uh, not about being just first on the list. Primary is about being first in every part of your life because that's the key. Are you hearing me? So that's what we've been focusing on all these, uh, you know, weeks that we've been doing this. And he goes on to say the first is this, that you shall love, verse 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everybody say all your heart. With all your soul. Everybody say all your soul. With all your mind. Everybody say all your mind. And then with all your strength. Everybody say that, with all your strength. For this is the first commandment. Of course, it goes on, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. 
and there is no other commandment greater than these. Now, for just for whatever work, uh, whatever it's worth here, the word commandment means a precept, an injunction, or an authoritative prescription. Everybody say prescription. thought that was kind of interesting. In other words, it's the formula, the remedy that works. You know, he's got, he's got commandments or utterances, things he spoke, but the reason being is because it's what works. When he commands something, it's not just because he wants you to do something. Come on now, it's more than that. It's about what works. This is what works. Amen. So the first part was loving him. Amen. Now, this word love is agapeo. Okay, many of you have heard me talk about that. Now, the God himself is agape. In other words, an unconditional love, right? And the word says, you know, because he loved us, we can love him. Come on, right? Come on. So everything we're talking about today is something that you can do. Why? Because God loves you. Because of God's love towards you, you're able also to walk in that same kind of love because God is love and walk in that love. But this word here is agapeo, which means a committed love. Everybody say committed. You know, Trudy was talking about, you know, can they look at your life and see that you love God? Well, how do they see that? Well, they see the, the area of commitment in your life and areas. You talk Him. Amen. You do certain things because of your commitment to Him. You live different than the normal person. When you got saved, you lived a certain way. I mean, before you got saved, you lived a certain way. And then after you got saved, the more you got moving into God and leaning on God and trusting in God, your life began to shift and change. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Amen. Your life began to shift and change. People could see, amen, that you talk different now. You act a little different. Come on. They say your priorities are different. Come on, right? Everything begins to shift and change. And that's the idea because of a commitment, okay? So this word love means a total commitment or the giving of oneself over unto, the binding of oneself to, as Trudy brought that out, praise God. It means you can't do without. Can't do without. Amen. This is how it works. Amen. Now, I put the four chairs here because we have four areas he mentions in this, in this text. Love God with all your heart, love God with all your soul, love God with all your mind, love God with all your strength. And really, if you stop and you look at it, it really, it really breaks it all down. That's, that's kind of our life, okay? So love God with all your heart. Well, the word heart, okay, cardia, which we get our word cardio, okay, which means middle or center or core, but it literally means the seat of control. If you look it up, that's what it brings out. It's the seat of control. It refers to one's uh, will, one's decision-making. Even that word character kind of fits into this because that's what everything comes out of what's in you in the heart. The good, the bad, and the ugly come out of you as an individual because of what's in your heart. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Come on now. Jesus made that real clear. He says all these kind of evil thoughts and evil wicked things all comes out of the heart of man. Amen. Or you can have rivers of living water flowing out of your heart. Or you can have the issues of life coming out of your heart. The word's real clear, both Old Covenant and New Covenant. Everything in your life comes out of the heart or the core or the center of an individual. That's why you have to guard what you put into it. Come on now, right? So this is what it is. So it's called the seed of control. Now, up until you... Uh, you know, you might be, you know, moving forward in God and everything, but you're probably still the one sitting in that seat. I'm the one in control, con, you know, controlling my, you know, my will, what I'm going to do. The decisions that I make are based on what I want to do. Come on now. 
right? My character is all based on how I feel and all that kind of stuff and how, you know, my decision-making is all, I control that. Well, the idea is to have a, a committed love to God. See, this is what it means when he says, love God with all your heart. See, it, becomes, it just becomes a cliche unless you understand what it means. So it's a sense of commitment. So the idea is to get you out of that seat. See, it's always going to be there because it's the seat of control. But we got to get you out of the seat. We got to get God sitting in that seat. Are you with me? We got to crown him king in that area of our life. So that when we are moving along, it ain't about our will anymore. It's your will be done. It's not about my decision making. It's about what does God think about this thing? It's not about just acting any way I want to act. It's about leaning on his character so it changes my character. So what, see, people should be able to start seeing that because you're crowning him king in that seat. So when we're talking about loving God with all your heart, it's not just a cliche anymore. Because there were times, you know, when, you know in our marriage, I told Trudy, well, Trudy, I love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Because she thought, well, you know, you did this, you said that, and that hurt. I don't like the way you did that, or I don't like how you, come on, what happened? I had to go back and reevaluate. Come on now, because I was in control of that area of my life, and it wasn't doing so hot. Come on now. So what happens is, see, love is going to be evident because you're totally committed in the area of your will, decision-making, your character is all right here in this seat. Now, who's sitting in that seat? Now, listen, we're not condemning anybody because the idea is, as we grow in God, the idea is that we recognize I'm too much, you know, I'm sitting too long in that seat. I need to get out of that seat. Come on now. So that's, that's one seat, okay? But then it says we're also to love God with all our soul, suke, okay, where it actually looks like a word psychic, where we get our word psychic, but it just refers to, it literally means breath. You know, we've used that a lot of times, but it's talking about, uh, it's literally referred to as the seat of the feelings or emotions, okay, because it's about what makes you tick, what makes you, you know, what, what causes, you know, brings life. It's about it's about desires. All that fits into this. So who's sitting in that seat? See, some people are more emotional, you know, uh, 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 controlled by their emotions. You're an emotional being. You're supposed to be. If you, if, you have a, if you have a committed love toward God, you ought to be very emotional about God. There's nothing wrong with being emotional. It's just that when your emotions are controlling and you're the one sitting in the seat, chances are your emotions are getting the best of you and probably taking you down some road you got no business being on. Now, listen, we're not, uh, we're not getting away from what we're talking about over here. You know, one of the statements that was made out of Luke, uh, I believe it's chapter 10, uh, the same text, Jesus made the statement, we're talking about the same thing here, but this is Luke's account. He said this, he says, if you'll do this, you will live. If you will do this, this is, this is going to cause life to be better. Amen. The Amplified of that same verse in Luke 10, and I can't remember if the verse there it is, uh, he said this, if you do this, right, you will live, listen, you will enjoy active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. 
In other words, this stuff's going to work if you're committed to God. Not only in the area of your heart, the seat of control, but also in the area of your emotions, your desires. Amen. Now, come on. Do you know God? God knows you have desires. Are you still with me or am I losing you? It's a seat. We all have desires. And God isn't against your desires. You'll find that most of the time, most of the time, depending on what we're talking about, but most of the time, your desires were something God placed in there. And the Word says that God would like to give you the desires of your heart as you delight yourself unto Him. In other words, He's the key. He's the core. But if He's sitting in the seat, you have to understand, all right, He's, he's the one leading, He's the one guiding, and your desires start coming to pass. So God's not, you know, rejecting your desires. He just says, listen, when you're trying to run it, you get it all out of whack. Everything gets off base. You're over here trying to you know, make this all fit and, you know, and work, and it don't when you're in control of it. So he says, if you will love him with all your soul, okay, all your desires, intentions, the, 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 everything that comes out of it, the feelings and the emotions that come out of that, amen, because this is what feeds, this is what fuels your tank, so to speak. That's why he uses the word breath, because in a sense, your desires and everything you like is what gives you, in a sense, kind of energy and breath and i love boating well praise the lord you know no i I don't personally but anyway i like i like harleys i enjoy riding a harley but it's it's a harley it's a bike it's it just sits in a shop most of the time come on but i enjoy it and it is when i get out and ride i love riding well i enjoy it but god's the one that gave it to me and when there's time, I, I enjoy it. When there ain't, I get everything. I do, I do whatever I have to do. Come on, somebody. So the point is this. It doesn't control me. See, but God fulfilled a desire of mine, and he's done that multiple times and those kind of things, and he's probably done that for many of you. But when it's all about when that's all your and you're, in, you're sitting in the seat, you're trying to make all this stuff happen and work, and all you do is stress yourself out. All you do is get caught up in it emotionally in a bad sense. Come on, somebody. Or try to make something be the thing that actually lights your fire instead of be God that lights your fire and let God bring all this stuff that, that, does, that blesses you in your life. So who's sitting in this seat? That's up to you. So if, if, he's, if he's sitting in this seat, he begins to bring the desires of your heart to, to pass. What's the next one? The mind, okay? Well, the mind is, uh, it means deep thought, imagination, literally means the seed of reasoning or understanding or the exercise of the mind. So how many know you, you, can, uh, you can determine what you think about? That's your choice, what you think about, Amen. But now if you're going to put God in the forethought and then all your thinking is going to be wrapped around that, Amen. Then you're going to have to have him in this seat. Am I losing you? The word's real clear that, you know, if you will set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth, praise God, then the things above begin to determine how you live your life. Or if you set your mind on things of this earth and not on things above, then that determines how you live your life. So all you can do is 
spend a little time in Romans 8 and you figure that out. Come on, somebody. It's based on where you set your mind. So he's talking about here, if you're going to be committed, if you're going to love God, you have to love God not only with all your heart, with all your soul, but with your mind. And if you will put God in this seat, amen, that means that where you start, you'll start setting your mind on the right things, that means when God starts talking to you about it, cast that thought down. Stop thinking that. And the Spirit of God gives that check on the inside that that's not something you need to be meditating on. If he's sitting in that seat, you'll cast it down. If, if you're sitting in that seat, you won't. You'll chew on it, you'll stew on it, you'll get mad, you'll get upset, you'll get sad, whatever it is that it begins to produce. And then pretty soon it runs into this area, their emotions, feelings. Come on, somebody. It runs into that area. It just, it just kind of snowballs. See, this is the reason that he mentions these four areas as separate things. Love God with all your heart, love God with all your soul, love God with all your mind. See, if he begins to talk to you about casting something down, you got to be quick to do that. If you're committed, if you love God with all your mind, then you're going to be committed to do that. You'll follow that. Sometimes the reason we have issues over here is because our mind's all over the place. Or because, you you know, some people, you know, we get talking about their future, their dreams, their finance, business, whatever. And, and because you're, you're not casting down the thoughts you should be casting down, you keep stewing on things and nothing ever shifts or changes. Or raising a family. There's all kinds of things that I guarantee as you raise a family, there's some thoughts you need to be casting down. There's some thoughts you need to take authority over. Making sure I'm in the right house here today. Because if we don't do that, nothing shifts or changes. So if we're not taking authority over this, that's because he's not sitting in the seat. You're sitting in the seat. And you determine it. You could just say, no, I think I'll take this from here. I'll handle this. Well, how's that working for you? Listen, there's no condemnation. There's, every one of us have done, there's, every one of us have been here where we have sat in the seat or stayed in the seat. There's sometimes every one of us probably at one time or another probably asked him to leave the seat and got in the seat ourselves. Come on now. It happened. But see, if you're, if you're always the one that's determining what you're going to sit and meditate on instead of, you know, taking authority over certain things, when he, especially when he's leading you to, to take authority over things. I mean, no, you got to do that, right? You got to take every thought captive. Oh, that's weak. You got to take every thought captive. But see, you have to understand that he, he's not just telling you take every thought captive and then walk away from you. He's there to help you with it. And when he starts talking about something, like when you're, especially when you're all mad about something or you're all depressed about something or all sad about something, the Spirit of God might say, that's a good thought to cast down right now. You don't need to be thinking on that. Well, you think, well, bless God, if I don't think about it, who will? Well, uh, you don't need to be the one thinking about it because it's tearing you up or stressing you out or making you upset or making you mad. Come on, somebody. See, the Spirit of God might be saying, listen, why don't you get out of the chair, let me in it, and I'll help you with this thing. And when you set your mind on the right things, guess what? Life begins to change and shift. Now, we're talking about life as a whole. Now, the word is real clear, too. It says this in, in Romans 8, in verse 28, that all things are working together for good according to those who what? Love God. You know, that's the same word, agapeo. Things are going to work good. See, there might be all kinds of stuff happening, but if you get out of the seat and let him take the seat, stay committed to him in these areas, Things start working out for good. 
Dude, a lot of Christians are going around quoting that verse and all things are working out together for good. Well, not for you if you're not putting your mind on the right thing. Not for you if you're not staying committed to God. Not to you. In fact, the verse prior to that is talking about praying, taking some time praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you want to be led by the Spirit of God. See, if you're not doing those things, I guarantee you then things ain't turning out good for you. Now, I know you said, well, I don't want to come to church to hear that. But sometimes you need to hear that, see, because it's a commitment unto him. It's loving him, committed unto him that when he begins to lead you, guide you, and direct you, praise God, you're going to follow it. And if you follow that, all things are working together for good. Even though it might be a miserable situation or a pressure moment or some things going on that you don't like, if you will get out of the seat and let him in the seat, we can turn this baby around, get it going in the right direction. Come on now. Instead of just, see, some people... They go along in life and they say, well, this area never works for me, so they just tear it off. It don't work for me, so I don't, want, I don't, I don't need that area. No, you, you probably got to have that area. It's got to be working in there somewhere. You can't just ignore it. You can't just sweep it under a rug. You can't just act like it, doesn't, you know, it isn't important. And, and we, only had 12, we only had 12 spokes. You know, we, we probably have enough areas of your life. We, I don't, you know, I'm sure we're not mentioning all the areas of your life here. Come on but we're just using it as an illustration. The point is this, it's a commitment unto God. Love God with all your heart, love God with all your soul, love God with all your mind. What was the last one? Strength, okay. Well, the word strength here, are you doing okay? Word strength means force or might. Literally means the seat of one's own ability, okay? To extend energy or to carry something out. So we're talking about doing, putting out, amen. The giving of one's whole life, their time, their energies, their effort, even uh, giving of their substance will even fit in this because it's all about what, what about you taking your strength, your abilities, and submitting them unto God. Come on, somebody, and letting God lead you, guide you, direct you in all areas of your life. Otherwise, what happens, we get in here and we try to fix everything. Think about this, about jobs. Think about this, uh, you know, just, just the things that you do sometimes and just try to make ends meet. Well, I tell you what, if you get out of the seat, let God in the seat, I guarantee he'll help you with that. Otherwise, you, you find yourself straining at stuff, trying to do everything in your power and your own ability, and you can get some things down, some things done, because just sure, sure, uh, sheer willpower, come on, just, you know, just you know, grit your teeth and honker down, and just you, you can get some things done, but you know, when you get down to the end of that thing, you're wore out, you're stressed out, come on, you feel overwhelmed, and then somebody has the gall to put one more thing on your list, and you're like, oh my gosh. But see, if, if you're out of the seat and you got him in this seat, come on, that he, he guides and directs about what you extend energies toward, how you give, what you do, how you do this. I mean, there's a lot of people say, well, if I had three jobs, I could make this work. God says, if you had the right job, you wouldn't need three. Are you with me? See, there's a lot of areas here, and it all comes down to a commitment. Go with me to John 21, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, please. Am I boring you today? John 21. You know, um, a reference that I think about, you know, um, in uh, Revelations 2 and 4, it talks about the church at Ephesus. It says that they... Uh, that they have uh, um, lost their first love. In other words, they, there was a time they were walking in this kind of love, and then they, somewhere along the line they lost it. So 
The point I'm trying to make is this, that, you know, that can happen to you and me. Might be errors when you first got saved, man. You were all about it, man. It's all Jesus, man. Let's go. And then through the course of time, life, raising families, jobs, a company, whatever, and pretty soon you 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 pretty soon you gradually maybe move God out of a seat that maybe at one time he sat in. And you took back over that seat. And then life begins to overwhelm again. Do you know why most marriages, well, I shouldn't say most, but at least, I think it's still at least 50% of marriages end up in divorce. Sad, even in the church. Listen, I'm not trying to depress anybody. I mean, praise God for the mercy of God and forgiveness and the blood of Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. But you know as well as I do that, you know, um, you know I've, I've had a fairly good success rate about those who've gotten married, but we've had a few that ended up in divorce. And uh, they all come in my office and sit, and you can't even, you, you try to get them to sit in two separate seats. They won't. They want to sit on each other's lap and tell each other, tell us how, convince me how much they're in love with each other, and they can't let go of each other. And they, and they come to church, and they get all smoochy. They, it's like, you know, trying to convince the world how much they love each other. And that's great, wonderful. I, I hope you're smooching like that when you're, into your 20th year. I'm not picking on them. I'm just telling you, okay? And then all of a sudden, life hits. All of a sudden, there's stuff going on, and the next thing you know, you forgot about, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, breaks. You came into my office and told me, man, you just had to be married because, bless God, you just couldn't be without each other. Well, stuff begins to happen, and pretty soon, you lose sight of that. I'm saying everybody has to lose sight of that, but I'm just saying that that's what ends up happening when then next thing you know, we're no longer in love with each other. How'd that happen? Is anybody hearing me? This this is how this stuff works. Jesus, uh, in verse 15 of John 21, so when they had eaten, uh, uh, eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, so we're talking about Peter here, he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? More than these. Of course, he's, everybody's there around. He's, do you love me more than these? And of course, this word here is that agapeo. And are you committed to me? And, you know, he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then feed my lambs. But, you know, the word love there is phileo. So in other words, Jesus asked, are you committed to me? He says, well, Lord, you know I have affection for you. That's what it means. He didn't, he didn't answer back with, with agapeo. Jesus asked again, all right, second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you agapeo me? Are you committed to me? And, of course, you know, he answered and said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said, well, tend to my sheep. So he's trying to say, are you committed? He's saying, listen, I got, I got a fond affection for you. And to me, I feel like a lot of times this is where a lot of a lot of Christians are. They do have a fond affection because of the fact they've been saved out of their sin. Come on, somebody, one day they're heaven bound. But see, we need more than just a fond affection. We need more than just a friendship. We need a commitment. Because when he tries to lead you and guide your life, you got to be committed to this. If you ain't committed to this, then no matter how many times he tries to lead you in some area of your life, 
you're not going to follow it. It takes a commitment to do that. So he asked the third time, verse 17, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And you know what he said this time? You know what Jesus said? He used the word phileo. Because he met him right where he was at. And he will do that for you and me. Praise the Lord. Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know where I'm at. He said, well, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. And when you were old, you will stretch out your hand. In other words, he's really making, he's prophesying. So the point being is that one day, Peter gets it. Peter right now doesn't see the commitment. There's not the commitment there at the moment, but there will be. And Peter will get to that place. And he talks about really how he's going to end up dying. You're going to be stretched out your hands and, and, and other another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. He's talking about how he's going to die. He spoke signifying by, the, by what death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, now listen, he said this, follow me. Now Peter right away turned around and said this. He, said, he saw another, you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's talking about John. And he said, uh, you know, uh, saw John there. And he also said, Leaning on, oh, the, well, of course, let, let me read it here. Peter turned around, saw the, the disciple whom Jesus loved following, and also had, had leaned on his breast at supper. So we know, we know he's talking about John here. And he said, Lord, who, who is the one who betrays you is what was said. Okay, so we, we're signifying it's John. Verse 21, there we go. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You, you follow me. What's he getting at? Okay, same thing we're talking about. He says, you know, you, there's a lot of things that are going on in life, and you can look around at everybody else, and you could say, well, well, that person, you know, that's what they do, or that's what, uh, yeah, come on. What about this, or what about that? What about my work? What about my job? What about my health? What about uh, these other people? What about, what about the person that did me wrong? What about the person, come on, how are they serving God? See, all, there's all kinds of variables, so many things. We couldn't even begin to even bring them all up. There's so many things, but somehow or another, they're going to affect one of these areas of your life. And when it really comes down to it, if, he's, if you're not committed, see, it's not going to be, it's not, you're not going to be led by God. You're not going to follow him. You're going, to, you're going to do your own thing, stay offended, stay hurt, stay mad, stay sick, stay broke. And a lot of times we look at our life and we, we want to start, we, we get so focused on where we're at at the moment that we forget if we will just commit to Him. Where you are at this moment will shift and change. It will. Life will get better. You will live that blessed, endless life. Amen. Serving God in the kingdom of light. Praise God. Seeing God show Himself strong. Amen. But it will take a commitment. It'll take a decision on your part to get out of what, these seats and let him sit in it. Amen? Hallelujah. Do you love him? Do you love him? Amen. Now, it's just, you know, we could sit here all day long and hammer on it, and we're not going to do that, but we could. And you know as well as I do, though, it really just still always going to come down to a choice and a decision on your part. And 
All we can do is just try to bring it out in a way that you can see the importance of it. Bring it out in a way that might make a little more sense. So it isn't just a cliche coming out of our mouth. But it actually means something. So that when he does begin to lead, you know, if he was to ask you, you know, I guess maybe in a sense, when he starts leading you, in a sense, that is what he's asking you. Do you love me? Can you trust me? Can you commit yourself to me and let me lead you? And if you will, I'll make your life better than you ever dreamed possible. But you're going to have to trust me, and you're going to have to commit. Hallelujah. Did you get some today? Trudy, come on up. I'm going to have you do that. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the question is, do you love him? Do you love him? And it's not, well, I love him more than so-and-so does, or I love him more than I can see they do. It's about you. Do you love God? Do we love God? So if you would, we're going to go to one last scripture, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 tells us that we love him because... He first loved us. So we don't have any right in any of these places, you know, um, to determine if we love him other than comparing how we love him to how he loves us. That's the only worthy comparison. Do I love him like he loves me? Because that is a deep, deep type of committed love. And we know that every one of these areas is a choice. The word says, guard your heart. You know, the word says, take captive your thoughts. The word tells us that every one of these things is optional. What we let in our heart is optional. What emotions we feel, optional. We can be riddled with fear, or we can say, I refuse those emotions. You know, we can refuse these thoughts. We can refuse to lean on our own ability. All of these things are optional. All of these things are choices we make. And what we have to understand is because of how much he loved us, we can make the right choice. Because of how he loves us, we can make the right choice. So I'm just going to ask for every head to be bowed, every eye closed. In this place today, hallelujah. The first way to start out loving God is to giving God your heart. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life yet, just slip up your hand because that's the start of loving God. And you might be in this room today and say, you know, I don't know if I've even thought about how much I love God. That how am I loving him in response to how much he's loving me? That if all the benefits, all the perks, all the blessings were removed, would I still just love God? Or you might be in this room today and you might say, well, I love him, but I don't love him like he loves me. I don't know if that's possible. But yet we know for all of us, 
we can step farther and higher in loving God. So if you're in this room today and want to agreement to be able to love God more, just raise your hand. And we're going to pray and believe for the love of God to take over your life, that it's no longer just about how much he loves you, but it's going to become how much you love him. And as you love him, addictions go. As you love him, complaining goes. As you love him, sickness and disease goes. As you love him, fear goes. As you love him, everything works out all right because we're talking about loving God. So Father, you see every hand and every heart that's been raised. And we believe, Father, that you are able to shift us and move us in our heart that we love you even more. Father, I ask that you teach us how to love you, that you teach us how to yield to you, you teach us how to surrender to you, that you put the words in our mouth daily, I love God, that we become an expression of the love of God that never fails. Father, I thank you and I honor you with these people and for these people. Touch them, minister to their heart, minister to their life, and cause them to become closer and closer to you that the will of heaven is done in every area of their life. For that, we give you the praise and we give you the thanksgiving. And everyone in agreement say, amen, amen, and amen. I'm so grateful that I'm surrounded with people that love God. Aren't you? Hallelujah. So with that being said, you have a new mission this week. You have to practice loving God. You know how you practice? Because when something comes, you say, but I love God more than anything else. I love God more than anything else. And get it coming out your mouth. I love God more than anything else. And pretty soon you'll be convinced of it. Praise the Lord. So I'm just going to ask you to stand, wave at each other, greet one another, and you are dismissed. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.